Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today's episode is going to be number 265 with Cody Frankham of Gunnison Country Outfitters. I want to remind you guys that the draw deadline for Colorado is April 4th, so it's coming up. Make sure and don't forget to apply in Colorado uh, for all the big game uh, hunts. Uh, Cody Frankham is going to be speaking specifically in this episode about Unit 55 Elk and Deer in Colorado uh, and going to be talking specifically about the Fossil Ridge Wilderness Area uh, in Unit 55. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Guys, I want to thank you for all your support of this podcast. I also want to thank my sponsors, GoHunt.com Insider. Lorenzo Sartini and his crew have created an unbelievable resource for Western hunters for researching hunts and trying to figure out harvest statistics and how many points it takes to draw tags. Uh, Also being a Go Hunt Insider member, every month you get a chance to win great hunting gear and, and great hunts. Just by being an Insider member, you have a chance to win. Uh, and if you use the J. Scott promo code when signing up for a Go Hunt Insider membership, uh, you actually get a $50 Kuyu gift card sent to you electronically. I uh, also want to thank Kuyu.com, Jason Harrison and his crew. Uh, if you use the J. Scott, that's all capital letters, J. Scott promo code, uh, on orders over $150, you're going to get free shipping. Uh, obviously, Kuyu makes uh, the best ultralight hunting gear on the market today. I want to thank them. Uh, also, Cheston Davis at phonescope.com. Cheston and his group uh, make the best digiscoping adapters to adapt any phone to any optic or spotting scope. And if you use the JSCOT16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount there. And then the Outdoorsman's, the Optics Authority in Phoenix, Cody Nelson and his crew, uh, they do an awesome job informing customers about which optics are the best optics uh, for that customer's use. And if you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you're going to get a 10% discount there at the Outdoorsman's. Guys, if you refer to the show notes, you can see the, uh, you can freshen up on the promo codes and with each company. And I encourage you guys to support uh, the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, let's get right to this episode. If you guys want to uh, reach me, you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can send me a direct message through Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Uh, please find uh, fl- find me on my f- business Facebook page. That's jscottoutdoors. Feel free to send me a message there as well. And um, we're going to have some great episodes uh, coming up here that I can't wait to share with you the month of April. But again, don't forget April 4th is the deadline for Colorado, and let's get right to this episode with Cody Frankham. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have an episode with Cody Frankham of Gunnison Country Outfitters. <coughs> Cody guides, uh, and his outfit is in Unit 55 in near Gunnison, Colorado in the Fossil Ridge Wilderness. Uh, Cody, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm uh, looking forward to this uh, Colorado draw coming up. Uh, applications are due, I believe, on April 4th. And I uh, wanted to have had some great podcasts with um, Clay Hill and with Cliff Gray. And um, I wanted to talk with someone in that Gunnison Basin and um, you had reached out to me, and th- I thought you'd be a perfect person to talk about uh, the, the hunting around Gunnison, Colorado. Uh, first and foremost, it sounds like uh, the the winter um, is is kind of like 07. What are you hearing as far as winter kill for um, your deer there in in or in and around the Gunnison area? Yeah, the the snow really piled up on us in uh you know late December and January. Got several feet, but fortunately recently it's really starting to warm up and open up some hillsides for the deer. Some people are pretty 
pretty down and kind of think it's going to be like 07 08. I personally think it's not as bad. I think that a lot of the mature deer are going to make it through. It's just the fawn crop, they, they took a hurt more so than the mature deer. So next year, I think we'll still be able to find some the big bucks, but maybe in four or five years, it'll be a little down once those fawns that were supposed to be mature aren't there. But fortunately, like I said, fortunately, they've been getting a lot of warm weather these last couple of weeks. It's really helped them out. Hopefully, we don't get pounded again in the next couple of weeks. When you say it's been warming up, I mean, typically your country in March can get a lot of snow and, and actually, you know, February and March is when it finally, doesn't it, when it's finally when it does those deer in. What you're saying, what I hear you saying is quite possibly it might have warmed up just in time and maybe the deer aren't going to be as stressed as some were thinking because March so far has been fairly mild. Yeah, like today's high is 51 degrees in Gunnison. So that's, it's really, and it hasn't snowed much lately. So a lot of these south-facing slopes have melted a lot of snow at those low elevations, uncovering a bunch of feed for these deer and elk, which has really helped out. And the, the Division of Wildlife, they didn't necessarily feed, but they did do some baiting away from the highways to help the deer not to not be hit by cars and such. So that's that's been real beneficial as well. So Gunnison Country Outfitters, Cody, um, you you worked for the previous owner of Gunnison Country Outfitters. You've recently purchased the business. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about working for um, the the old outfitter and then how it uh, came to be that you were to pur- purchase the business? Yeah, John Nelson was the prior owner, and he had been he's been the owner for forty years now. And you know, he was just getting old and wanting to retire. He's getting a little worn down because you know those hunting seasons can get real long after a while. So uh, me and my business partner Nick Ray, you know, saw the opportunity and just work with me working for John. He kind of presented us with a really good deal, and we figured that we could, there would be a lot of fun to jump in there and take that over. You know, it's uh, something we think that we can expand on and make a better outfit just because we're younger, full of energy, and just ready to go hunting. And uh, John's still around. He's still helping us out with the transition. He's, I think he still wants to do a little bit here and there, but for the most part, it's all us right now. Tell me about your concession, your area that you're hunting, and kind of, um, you know, how how it all unfolds, and um, you know where it where it's at, and and uh, what elevation, and all the ins and outs of your deal. All right, so we outfit out of the Fossil Ridge Wilderness and the Fossil Ridge Recreation Area, which surrounds the wilderness, and we our base camp sits at ten thousand feet, and then we hunt up from there, you know, upwards of 12,000 feet to 13,000 maybe. Um, we have a, our base camp sits right out, right on the edge of the wilderness, so we actually drive to base camp, and then we ride horses from there when we're hunting up into the wilderness. Um, we, we do drop camps and fully guided hunts, so we have options for all you know types of hunters that want to do maybe a semi-DIY hunt or want that fully guided hunt. Uh, we work, we do elk and deer, and then a little bit of bear, and then if someone's fortunate enough to get a mountain goat tag, we do that as well. We have unit G8 is our goat unit, and there's a lot of, it's an archery-only hunt for residents only. There's two archery tags that get given out, but it's a it's a pretty cool little hunt. I've been on a couple of them with buddies that have drawn that tag, and it's a real neat area up in there. Um, but as far as elk hunting goes, that's what, that's the bulk of our business is we do a lot of elk hunting because in that fossil ridge, there's just a ton of elk that live in that and feed into that wilderness. And we're fortunate where we have, in our concession, we have summer, fall, 
and winter range covered. So we every stage of the elk's lives, we're right there hunting them. So we don't have just the early season, which some outfitters do, and then as the snow starts falling, the elk leave their areas. We have a resident herd that lives near our camp, and then as the snow comes in, more and more elk come out of the wilderness and come closer to our camp. So that really helps us out for those later seasons. Um, in the early seasons, you know, we might have to work a little harder just to get to where the elk are, but it's personally my favorite time of year because the uh, it's, just, it's more fun to chase them up high, in my opinion, up in that 11.5 to 12.5,000 foot range. So uh, the you, deer, uh, uh, you guys are located in Unit 55. Um, explain where 55 is and then explain where your concession is in relation to Unit 55. Yeah, so Unit 55 is starts the southeast-west corner, starts in, in Gunnison, the town of Gunnison, and then it goes west all the way to, um, I can't remember, remember the road, but it's the road that jumps up to Ohio City and Pitkin, and then it goes, the line goes north up to Crested Butte and then past Crested Butte and covers the... Uh, all the way east to the Continental Divide from that Highway 135. So it's a it's a really big unit, and the area that we cover is really the southern portion. So we cover, like I said, pretty much just the Falser Ridge Wilderness, which is south of Taylor and Taylor Reservoir, right in that country. How many... Um I mean, is your area, do you know, like, the total square footage or, you know, area as far as how many square miles or how many acres, or do you have any sense of how big your concession is? Our concession, I, if I, I'm pretty sure we're right in that 20 to 25,000 acres, um, but there's a lot of country in those little folds and some steep terrain, so... It feels like a lot bigger than that, honestly. And then you guys have a camp that's right on the edge of the wilderness, um, and then do you set drop camps in the wilderness itself? Yep. Our drop camps are anywhere from four to eight miles away from our base camp into the wilderness. And, uh, so we've got, you know, they're all produced, but they're just different distances from base camp. Okay, uh, tell me about your deer. Um, we'll get back to the elk because I believe the second and third seasons are over the counter. Uh, obviously, the fourth season is, I think, a draw. Um, but let's talk about your deer there in your concession. And, and um, I want to hear, you know, obviously, if you have high to low country, you kind of get to chase them during the, all of the seasons. How are the deer doing in 55? They've been doing really well. You know, as, if anybody knows anything about Colorado, they know last year was a really tough year for hunting deer, especially in that gun scenario. There was no snow. I was actually guiding third season at 11,000 feet, and we got rained on opening day of third season, which is very uncommon for November at 11,000 feet. Um, we do... our our later seasons in our concession are better. That third and fourth season are better because we have a really good winter range. And the rut, you know, where a lot of these big deer rutting is right in our backyard. But in that early season, we do have some high country. And we've, we've seen some, some good bucks up there. You know, John wasn't much of a, a deer hunter, so he didn't get a whole lot of deer hunter's bucks for us to take out. But I've seen the deer up there. I've been scouting for elk and mountain goats. So we're really, really positive, you know, looking forward to chasing those big bucks above tree line in the next few years. But we've seen the monsters down in the low country in those third and fourth, and then after in the winter, winter time, you know, those 190s and 200s, we have seen them down there. Are your archery hunts for deer... Uh how many, you know, is it a hard draw or how does that stand if someone wanted to come archery deer hunting? I'm, I'm looking at um, 
Gohan Insider and it says five points is a 17% draw for a non-resident and six points is 100% success for draw. So um, that's not a ton of points. Um, you know, how do you see the quality of that archery hunt as far as quality of hunt and quality of bucks on that hunt? It, there's a lot. I think the quality of bucks is there is good. The hunt itself is very difficult just because the terrain is very difficult and it's it's real deep in the wilderness to get to that high country where these bucks are living. So, you know, we would use our horses and get in there via horseback and then hunt on foot. But the uh, it's it's a it's a ways into that into the wilderness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of publications that have really blown up fifty five with the big deer and that's why the points it takes so many points, but it is worth it, you know. If you go in there, you spend five points, and you can have the opportunity to chase a 180-inch deer, I think that's worth it. Those um, deer that time of year in that archery season, um, are they pretty much all up above timberline, or um, you know, do you find good bucks even down in the lower elevations? We find them all over the spectrum. You know, it's just easier to to glass them above timberline because you can see for so far those timber those uh, low country timber bucks are a little more difficult to hunt because they may only come out in the open for a, a short time during the day. And I think that's where most of your big big deer are hanging out because they've learned that they don't get messed with. Nobody gets to see them down lower. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, does fifty five have any early season uh, either? muzzle loader or early rifle hunts in september um like some of the other units in colorado yeah there is a muzzleloader season there is no early rifle and that muzzleloader season is always the third week of the archery season so this year that would put it at september 9th to the 17th um which most of those deer are still going to be full velvet and up above tree line the uh i'd say the last three to four days of that season you might see some bucks starting to shed their velvet and that could change their patterns up throughout the uh, from then on i guess do you think that tag take go ahead i was gonna say that tag takes 10 preference points as a non-resident you know 20 percent chance of drawing with 10 preference points yeah, and then it, it looks like with 11, you're 100%. Um, do you feel like to, to kill a big deer, do you feel like that muzzleloader hunt is a better option than the archery just because you have the ability to shoot further, even though the archers obviously get like a, you know, a couple-week head start on, on the muzzleloader hunters? I do. I think just extending your range by... 50, 60 yards is really going to help a, a guy out who's looking to take a big buck. And it's even as an archer, it's hard to make a 60-yard shot in the mountains with a bow. So if you can shoot to 100 to 120, that that really, really helps out. Um, now with Colorado, you do have to use iron sights and you can't use pellets or sabots. But I would say if you practice enough, and get some decent sights in your muzzle that are 100 to 125 yards should be doable. Okay, and then um, your deer, uh, your third and fourth season, well, let's talk about the second season first. Um, there, Walk me through the deer seasons there in 55. So, you know, we talked about there's an archery and a muzzle season, and then there's a, a second rifle, which starts this year, October 21st, and will run through October 29th. The third rifle season will start October 4th and run through October, or November 4th, I'm sorry, and run through November 12th. And then the fourth season will start November 15th and run to November 19th. Um, they just started the fourth season again in Gunnison, either, I think, two, two or three years ago. So after the 708 winter, they they really cut the tags back, and they didn't, they didn't have a fourth season anymore. They brought that back a few years ago. And as a, a lot of big mule deer hunters know that 
the closer you get to that rut and later in the year you got more chance of snow, you're going to bring out easier to spot the big deer chasing does. So the third and fourth season have notoriously been the tougher tags to get, but there's also the chances of finding a bigger deer are usually better. Yeah, it looks like um, in 2016, uh, 12 points was a 5.9% chance, and uh, 13 points you were 100% chance or success drawing uh, with with 13 points. Uh, so what you're saying, what you said before, is you you're optimistic. You think that potentially the the big Biggest of big, the biggest mature deer are not going to be killed. You, you're thinking that it warmed up enough in March that um, probably not going to have the severity of, of kill like you guys did in 07? Yeah, I've, I've been getting pictures from buddies that, you know, of those 180-inch, four-and-a-half-year-old deer still still hanging around today. So I think that if we don't get a nasty snowstorm in the next couple of weeks, and it stays as warm as it has been, but those deer are going to be just fine. What what kind of, um, you know, if, if you, a benchmark that you would set if you had a third or a fourth season tag in 55, I mean, you know, are, are you seeing 180-inch deer every single day, and would it be a deal where you'd say, you know, definitely you would hold out for a 200-incher, or where is kind of the benchmark of what, what you've seen and, what is realistic of quality expectations? You know, I would I would wouldn't tell anybody to hold out for a two hundred inch deer unless that was what they were dead set on. I think that realistically, if you hunt hard for that for a third season, you can find a hundred eighty to hundred ninety inch deer. If on a normal year with the snow and whatnot, so I think one hundred eighty is a pretty good benchmark. But there have been some some of Gagger gen, uh, governor's tags deer taken out of that unit, you know, that surpassed that 200 mark. Gotcha. Let's bounce back to your elk a little bit. It, it, I, I would assume that elk is kind of your bread and butter as far as your money maker and where you're going to have the most traffic uh, and traction with your business. Um Walk me through, say, a, a, a typical over-the-counter uh, second and third season elk hunt and kind of how those go down and, um, you know, kind of throughout the, throughout the day and throughout the hunt, how that, how that hunt goes down. Yeah, so we have, so like you said, the second and third season and our unit is over-the-counter. Um, so anybody can go buy a tag. So a typical day for us is we hunt the first five days of the season, the five-day hunt, and we'll get up first day in the morning. we got a cooking camp that'll have a breakfast all cooked up for everybody. And while the guys are out getting the horses saddled up and ready to go. So in the dark, you know, an hour, maybe even two hours, depending on where we're heading, we'll leave on horseback, uh, two hunters for each guide and go off and essentially we like to get in the area and be set up as the sun's coming up. And uh, with the horses, we're able to get a lot higher, a lot quicker, whereas since it is an over-counter hunt, a lot of guys are coming from underneath on foot and they push a lot of the elk around. You know, we've, we've learned over the years that to be successful, we got to learn how to hunt the pressure from the other hunters. So we're usually there ready for, you know, elk coming through. And then if, you know, nothing happens first thing in the morning, we'll start moving around the mountain to different locations where we know the elk are typically liking to hang out. You know, little pockets where they might be trying to hold up or they're not getting pressured from hunters. So you pretty much spend all day on horseback and then ride back into camp that night? Yep, yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll, it might be we ride to a, a spot and then we'll get off horses and then hunt on foot. We can do either one depending on what a guy is really looking for. 
Um, you know, if, we, if a, a fellow comes and says he's in great shape and he wants to walk a lot, then we might ride the horses three to four miles and get off and walk for another three to four miles just to be ready and just covering that ground. You're a lot quieter on foot than you want than you are on horseback. And then, yeah, we'll hunt all day. You know, some guys like to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. And I know our guys appreciate that if they get the chance because they've usually been up early and go to bed late after taking care of horses. And uh, then we'll, we'll ride back in the dark to, to base camp. Gotcha. And is that, um, well, what's a legal bull in Colorado? And are those hunts, um, you know, you, you five point or better and you you know you shoot any any five point or as a guide what what do you kind of tell people any legal bull or um you know how does that play out so in colorado for majority if not all of the over-the-counter units a legal bull is a four-point bull so that's four antler points on one side or if they have a five-inch brow time which can be hard to judge but if you've got a a spike that's got a you know crazy brow line that comes right off the front of his antler. He's technically a legal bull if it's five inches or more. So we typically tell guys that you know if you take the first legal bull that you get a shot at because since it is an over-the-counter unit, um, we're in the depth of the guy on the other side of the mountain is going to shoot that bull if it comes in front of him. So. We're there for the opportunity. We take every opportunity we get. But if a guy is looking to hunt for a bigger bull, we're willing to go and look, looking for that big bull. But a 300-inch bull in our area is a really big bull. So for a bull to get to be a six-point, any six-point bull on your hunts, that's a true trophy, right? Yeah, so I would say so. And... Throughout the season of, of elk hunting, you know, how many elk uh, will you guys kill in a year? And, and, you know, like before the season even starts, like what's your anticipation for how many bulls your outfit might, might harvest, your hunters might harvest? Uh, you know, we typically run six guys in camp a season in that second and third season. So if we can get, you know, 50 to 60%, then you're looking at, six to ten bulls probably between the two seasons that we'd like to kill them during that first season if we can get a, a couple of bulls knocked down in archery. So I think if if we could get between twelve to fifteen bulls in a year, that would be a, a successful year. And then when you guys when a hunter gets a bull down, do you guys immediately pack those bulls out or do you call a whole different team of packers in and, and they take care of um, getting getting the elk skinned and quartered and packed up and taken back to camp? You know, I really think it depends on the situation. Um, if a, if we've got a hunter, if we've got two guys with a guy and one of them knocks a bull down first thing in the morning, uh, typically I'll, we'll have our guides, you know, take the other guy into an area where he knows that there's a good chance he's going to see some elk, get him set up there, and then he'll go and gut that elk or quarter that elk and make sure it's starting to cool down. And then uh, depending on the hunter's attitude, if they want to keep hunting, then he'll keep hunting with that other hunter. And then uh, we'll get a crew up there to pack that elk out. If we got a guy that knocks an elk down right right at last light, We'll, we will gut it, and then the next morning get a crew up there of horses to, to quarter and get the elk off the mountain. We just we don't like to put our guides at risk of just, you know, it's kind of dangerous working at 12 o'clock at night on horseback. You know, everybody's tired. No need to put anybody at risk because it's usually cold, cold enough up there where nothing's going to spoil. Sure. Um, uh that's one thing that makes me think, uh, like last year, um, you didn't have any snow on your, you know, on your, into your third season. And, um, did you still have some bears around or had they already, you know, gone into hibernation? We saw, I think we did see a couple bears in that third season. I personally didn't see any, 
to a couple of my guides and hunters. I think they saw a sow with two cubs during that third season. And then we had we had one group of hunters that saw one bear, a mountain lion, all within three days of each other in the same spot. So the bears were still out, and I think they typically do stay out until the end of that third season. But I haven't ran into any issues with bears taking over an elk yet. Um, I did a couple of years ago when I killed an elk personally. I went in the next morning and finished packing it out that there was a bear eating my gut pile, but he hadn't touched my meat. So when we get an elk, you know, recording or whatnot, we make sure all the the stuff that we're not taking out is moved away from the the meat that we're trying to keep. That makes sense. Where do most of your hunters come from? Uh, a lot of our guys are coming from the northeast, you know, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, and then the southeast. We've had, we've had a couple of guys this year, both from Florida and Alabama, and then a couple of guys from Texas and Oklahoma. So all over, but we will get a couple guys from Colorado that like to do drop camps. Uh, your base camp is how far of a drive from Gunnison? It takes about a, an hour to an hour and a half, but well, that's just because it's a, it's a end of a rough, really rough sheep trail. So it's miles, it may, may not be that far, but it's about an hour and a half ride from Gunnison. Gotcha. Is that the closest town, Gunnison? Oh, yeah, closest town of, you know, substantial size. There's some really small towns like Ohio City right there, but they're not, you know, it's a, a one restaurant type of town. Gotcha. Did, have you had any, as a guide up there, have you had any um, crazy stories like uh, get an elk down and, you know, the horse breaks his legs or, um, you know, horse runs off with the, you know, gets gets untied and runs off or you got any crazy stories for us? Uh, you know, we have had a couple horses, you know, break legs and whatnot that you never want to see that happen but last year we've we woke up one day and this was between the second and third season so we didn't have any hunters in camp but we were there and we woke up and all the horses were gone and we couldn't figure out where they went and they had decided they wanted to make their way back to town they were about 10 miles away from camp down the trail waiting to get loaded onto the trailer to go home <laughs> so what'd you do go gather them up and bring them back up there yeah it took us about six hours to figure out where they had gone and finally one of our guys jumped on the forward and rode all the way down the jeep trail and found them all the way back there and got them tied up and then we had to run up there and ride them all back down so that was, was more annoying than anything but nothing Nothing too crazy. Do you, um, when people come that aren't used to riding, I mean, are your horses very well um, broke and, and pretty much anybody can ride them? Yeah, you know, the our horses are great. They've been on these trails for several years, and the only problem we might ever run into if a guy is just real nervous about getting onto a horse, he may not... Uh, you know, he might be pulling on the reins and he needs to let go. And after a little bit, the, the clients usually get comfortable to the, the swing of things and no issues, really. Gotcha. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with horses, how do the guy, what kind of advice do you give to guys that, you know, don't have a lot of experience riding like as far as, you know, do you recommend that they wear jeans What do you and boots? What do you recommend that they wear on the ride up? Um, I just recommend wearing, you know, the, the, the clothing they're ready to hunt in. Um, you might think about bringing a, a heavy coat because those early mornings in the late October and early November can get pretty dang cold. And if you're not walking and you're just riding it, it can get chilly, so usually tell those guys to bring a heavy coat, and you know once you get done riding, you can just hang it up on a tree next to your horse, and then as you walk, you'll be starting to generate more heat. 
But usually I just tell my guys to just trust your horse. You know, if we're going up or down a steep grade, you got to understand that horse doesn't want to fall any more than you do. And he knows how to how to stay upright. So trust your horse and don't try and drive too much. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and how many guys will you have, like, in your drop camp? Will you have multiple drop camps or just one drop camp, or how does it work? Yeah, right now we're running four drop camps, and we're always looking to see if we can find areas to put another one where we won't be in competition. So we got right now we've got four established drop camps, and we we like to run between two and four hunters in a drop camp for a season. Okay, and then during your archery elk season, um, are are the elk bugling pretty good, or is it better say on that uh, you know second rifle season? When do you see the most bugling? Um, that late archery you'll see a lot, and then I'll I'll hear them throughout the season, all the way from opening day to the last day. I I personally like hunting early archery season because you know the elk are a little more patternable and typically they're up high up on the alpine, they're easier to find. But the actually the best rutting action I've ever gotten into was in that first rifle season. And I think you now I've listened to you talk to Chris Rowe, and I think what it is is just that second that secondary rut that kicks in in October, and it, it can be pretty localized, but the bulls can go absolutely bonkers and just go, just bugling nonstop. Would you say that, you know, when you say first rifle season, it's really technically the second rifle season, correct? No. So the way Colorado works, it's the first rifle season for elk. And in Colorado, there's no deer hunting during the first rifle season. So that's why the first rifle season for deer is technically the second rifle season okay gotcha so the first rifle season for elk it looks like is like that mid-october like the 15th through the 19th last year were the dates um and so you're saying historically the bugling on that hunt is pretty darn good it can be and i think it's i think it's a secondary rat so it might be localized but i've seen a lot of a lot of bugling action in that time frame. I've had them, you know, through second season, bugling really good. And so when they're bugling, obviously your success level as as with your hunters goes up because you can get on them a little easier and they're a little more predictable, right? Yeah, you know, it's they're easier to find for sure, but I think sometimes the bugling might get into a a guy's head and get him nervous makes makes for buck fever to be a little more susceptible. <laughs> you mean they're bugling and they get all, the hunters get all nerfed up? Oh yeah, because I know you've experienced it. Having a bull bugle right at you can shake you a little bit. Yeah, and then out of all those rifle seasons, um, what do you feel like is the best chance? you know, like the best hunt of all of the rifle seasons for elk? Uh, I'm kind of a biased archery hunter. And I, I say that just because it's the longest season and you can hunt more. But I think that first rifle would potentially be your the best, you know. And there's a, there's a reason why it's a draw hunt for every unit in the state is because the elk might be a little more susceptible because they're, they might still be bugling some. And so you can get on that way, and then you have a rifle, so you can shoot 500 yards and don't have to get as close as you do with a bow. So I think that first rifle season might be the best chance of finding a bull. But then that fourth season can be really good, too, because when the snow really starts piling up, the elk got to move, so they're coming down lower. You might have a better chance of finding them in that low country. I think the draw odds kind of reflect that. I'm looking at the Go Hunt Insider, and it looks like um, in 2015, with one point, it was a 40, 14% chance draw. In 2015, with two points, it was 100%. Uh, but in 16, 
it was a zero percent chance draw, uh, but in, with with two points um, in 2016, it was an 88 percent draw, and then last year in 2016 with three points, it was a hundred percent chance draw. So obviously, the people are kind of seeing the same thing because of you know the the, the odds don't usually lie, um, although. Uh, it's one of those things, I think, if you don't have weather like last year, I don't know that the four season was any better just because it didn't, this, this, you know, there wasn't enough snow to really move those elk down. But on normal years, it definitely gets them kind of in more of that oak brush and some of that more transitional and lower country, doesn't it? Yes, it definitely does. And you can see that, you know, if a snowstorm comes through one afternoon and then you go out there early next morning, you'll see a hundred elk tracks that'll be just headed southbound. And so you know those elk are moving to low country to get out of there. But that's why I think that early season could be better because you're not experiencing any migration. The elk are going to be up in that early season country. It's just, it's a tougher physical, physically hunt. And that fourth season, you may not have to walk as far as you might in that first season. I think that's why the draw odds are skewed towards fourth. Gotcha. So um, just to be clear, people can call you up and they listen to this podcast. They can call you up and book second or third season, I mean, just over the counter. And then if, you know, if they want to do archery elk or archery deer, um, you know, you, you can kind of direct them and help them with their choices, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, second and thirds over the counter, and our archery is a, it's a real easy draw. You know, you have a 76% chance of drawing it on your second choice as a non-resident. So if you put it as your first choice, if you're not interested in building points, then you'd be guaranteed to draw that tag. So um, just to reiterate what you're just saying, you could apply for a preference. Like I have 17 points in the state of Colorado. I could apply for a preference point as my first choice and put unit 55 in for elk as my second choice, and I would have a, what you say, 76% chance? Yep. And which season would that be for? That'd be archery season. Okay, the archery hunt. Interesting. Yeah, that was something actually that I learned this year when talking to Clay Hill and Cliff Gray that I never knew. And, you know, I've been applying for Colorado for 17 years and I've hunted deer there a number of times. And um, I've never uh, taken advantage of still applying for my preference point in the first choice and then putting something to just go on a hunt on the second. But that's uh, probably going to change because it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it really is. There's a lot of hidden gems out there that doesn't take any points, and you can get second choice. What about your, um, I saw on your website, you guys do bear hunts? Yeah, you know, we've had a couple guys that call us up that want to go on a bear hunt. We've got some some areas where the berry patches, can, the berry crop can be really good, and we've seen some success with some bear hunting. And, you know, in Colorado, the bear hunting it's not like most states. It's we don't have a spring bear season. We can't bait bears and we can't run them with dogs. So it's all spot and stock in the fall. But the the rifle hunt starts in September, September second, and then it'll run through the end of the month. So if a guy wants to go on a bear hunt, we would glad to take him. We'd like to we really like to take a few more bears out because it's. I think I think the population of bears has really exploded since they cut up that spring bear season. Yeah, and probably your age class went up as well, you know, because not as many bears are being harvested. I would I would assume you're probably going to see some older age class bears. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we don't technically, you know, typically chase for big Boone and Crockett bears. We, just, you know, we're looking for that 250 to 300 pound bear. I think most people think that a black bear a big black bear is going to weigh 500 pounds but honestly a big black bear is a 300 pound bear cody what do you like to do um 
when you're not hunting, what 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 do you like to do? Oh well, not much. No, uh, <laughs> I coach. I do coach wrestling. I really enjoy that. You know, I coach high school wrestling. It's been real rewarding. And I actually did some wrestling yesterday at a old man tournament in Denver, and that so that was that's always fun to do that. So, but, how, uh, so how sore are you today? I'm a little sore. I got my back's a little sore, and I I got caught in the jaw pretty good yesterday. So kind of hard to eat right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you went to but, school in Gunnison, right? At, at Mesa State, or what's the name of the school there? No, Mesa's in Grand Junction. I went to uh, Western State, Colorado oh, Western University. State. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I moved up there in 2008, so right after the tough winter. You know, that was my first year up there, and I moved up there for wrestling. I wrestled in college there at Western State. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm sure you're um, getting excited for the season. Uh, tell me about, do you do um, any sort of summer pack trips as well? Yeah, we do. We do. We, we try and do a lot of that, you know. We do horseback rides. It's a good people want to go on a, a family day ride or we do extended day pack trips and then we're starting this year we're going to start offering some some fishing trips because we've got some really great small streams and high country lakes that just have you know beautiful scenery and great fishing in them so tell me about that um i assume the they're brook trout or are they cutthroat or what what kind of fish are they we've got uh Mostly brook trout and cutthroats. Uh, a lot of those high country lakes will have some really beautiful cutthroats, and then down a little bit lower, we run into the the beaver ponds with the brookies in them. And so, great dry fly action. You know, those fish don't see very many, very very much pressure. So we uh, you have great luck on just big stimulator dry flies. So that's always fun. One of those deals where you could just catch fish one after another. Oh, yeah, you know, the water's crystal clear, so it's a, it's a lot of sight fishing. And I tell a guy that you just take a, a royal humpy up there, you throw that set, find a fish and put it in front of them, and you have a hard time not catching them. Nice. Sounds fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. So you're going to run, your operation's going to be firing all summer uh, on, on summer pack trips? Yeah, we'll be starting mid-June. Um We've got some areas where we can get into, even if there's a little bit of snow, and mid-June all the way through, probably mid-August, and starting mid-August, we'll start transitioning over and getting all our camps set up for the hunting season. Do you also do day rides and hour rides and that kind of thing, or or, or just extended trips? We do we do uh, half-day and full-day rides. You know, where we ride isn't really conceivable for an hour or two of riding so we do half day and full day rides if uh, some folks just want to get on a horseback and go see some good country that's great um uh, it's been awesome having you on um why don't you tell the listeners um how they can find out more about you how they can contact you yeah so you can follow us on instagram at, at gc outfitter and then Facebook, we're at Gunnison Country Outfitters, and then our website is gcoutfitter.com. Right on, and um, do you have experience hunting in Colorado uh, other than areas, you know, where your concession is? I mean, um, have you hunted in any of the great limited entry elk units or spent any time there or in, in any of the um, you know, limited entry uh, uh, deer deer units that are really, really super high quality? Yeah, I have a little bit. I, uh, I've spent most of my time in the Gunnison Valley. So, but, you know, I've, I did a lot of turkey hunting down there in Unit 61, and, and then the number of elk down there is incredible and find big sheds everywhere, so I can understand why that's a, a really high draw unit. And then... How was the turkey hunting? It's it's phenomenal. In sixty one. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun over there. It's a different country than a lot of different a lot of places, but it's fun. And then uh, 
I hunted um, down south. I've done a, a little bit in like Unit 66. Um, I killed a, I was actually fortunate. I was one of the few people that killed a pretty good deer last year. I killed a, it was 162 inch 3 by 4 I was able to get away from guiding for two days and found him on the last day of the season. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, have yeah. you been drawn for a goat or, or sheep yourself there? Uh, yeah, and people are going to hate me, but I did draw a sheep tag two years ago. I was in unit, I drew an archery tag in unit S35, and I ended up trading it back in. Um, just, I spent weeks up there scouting. I just, the hunt wasn't necessarily what I was expecting. I could not find a ram up there in a couple of weeks of scouting. It's just, it wasn't what I was wanting in the sheep hunt. So I ended up trading to get back in and hopefully the, the guy that got reissued to had a fun time, but it, that hunt wasn't for me. Where was I'm waiting that? for that S35. That is down west of Pueblo, Colorado. It's uh, outside of Ray, Rye, Ray or Rye, I can't name of the little town. But it's hey, a, it's a you pretty just look unique. And just couldn't find rams. Yeah, you know, I found a ton of ewes. Every time I was out there, I'd see the ewes. But that season starts, I think, usually it's the first Saturday in August, so the rams aren't wanting to be with the ewes and rams. So just. They they all hold up in the timber, and that's why I kind of started getting the vibe from all the biologists in the area. But those rams are deep in the canyons, and they're down lower in the timber. They're not up on the alpine, making them easier to find. Gotcha, gotcha. And sometimes when you have limited time, too, it it's tough. And so you chose to give your tag back, which then allows you to draw again, correct? Yep, I traded my tag back in, so I was able to get my points back. And then in Colorado, they do reissue those tags to uh, the guy that was next in line. So hopefully, like I said, that guy was able to have a good time out there with it with that tag. So do you feel like you're just going to apply for a different unit and um, you know try, try for a different area this this next time when you apply? Yeah, I'll be putting in for different areas and where, you know, I'm going to do a little more scouting ahead of time and figure out, you know, where I think I'd, I'd want to enjoy my sheep hunt. You know, I want to go on a, a big backpack hunt deep in the wilderness and try and find a land that way. Well, um, you're young enough that you can probably do that and probably draw again. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That's why I've been putting I put in for archery tags because nobody the their draws are just that much better and maybe I can sneak in on one. Yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, buddy, it's been great having you on the podcast and um, appreciate your time and and sharing with us uh, on your operation and wish you the best of success uh, this season and um, I'll be watching. Uh, watching your progress so um uh wish you the best okay thanks sir i really appreciate it all right buddy take care god bless